Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. And today I've got a really special guest on the show for you. He was principal, he is principal of Colchester English Study Centre, which is the school where I work. And he's been my boss for about 12 or 13 years. You can see the school in the background, isn't it fabulous? Uh, Max is a massive IELTS expert. He's been a test day administrator, teacher for 30 years, an IELTS guru for about 20 years. And I'm not allowed to say if he's an IELTS examiner or not. So I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself, Max. And with my first question is, why do they call you the god of IELTS? Hi, Fiona. Hi, Fiona's students. I didn't know that I was a god of IELTS. I've heard my, a, a king before, but I, I've been promoted to god. That's good. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, everybody. My name is Max and I'm a teacher and the principal of Colchester English Study Centre. And as Fiona said, I used to be a test day manager as well. And how, how has that helped you know everything about IELTS? Uh, well, if experience in anything helps you to understand it and 20 years of IELTS experience in the classroom and testing has helped me a lot, I think. Yeah. Okay, Max, I've had uh, lots of questions people dying to ask you and some of them are really the most common questions that I get asked all the time. But let's start, first of all, with your experience. What do you think high-scoring students do differently? What makes them stand out? What makes some people do really well in IELTS? What do they do? Well, ultimately, Fiona, I think we, we've talked about this together, but basically they are people with very, very, very good English. And mm -hmm. clearly having some IELTS tuition and support of the type you give can help people to improve their scores, but essentially the key to doing well in IELTS is to be a good user of English. Max, I think that's the most important thing I learned from you is to always, it always comes back to language, doesn't it? It's a it, test of language. It's a test, basically it's a measurement of the quantity and the quality of, of your English, yes. Mm -hmm. so, so what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding about IELTS? I think the biggest misunderstanding about it is that people who have got quite good English can magically somehow get very good English and therefore get the score that they need in a very short period of time and often that isn't the case. Those people need to think carefully about uh, the level of their English. It, it takes time doesn't it? It's, it's hard work and time basically is the answer to all of those questions. Yes, it is. It takes time because it takes time to learn a language and the process of doing well in IELTS depends on learning English more and better. And when people say I've got the exam coming up or I've got the exam next week, um, I don't really have time to prepare, what can I do? How, how do you answer those kinds of questions? I think you have to help those people to look at what they're actually doing because time is time and you cannot change it and you cannot prepare for a difficult exam like IELTS in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, money is important to everybody. The IELTS exam is expensive and it would be better to wait until you're ready before you spend the money on the exam. In my opinion, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? 
Well, I, I totally agree. But do you, do you think there's any benefit in people? I know a lot of people who spend a lot of money just taking the exam over and over again. I don't, I, I know of somebody actually who did the exam 23 times. Mm -hmm. And it, eventually, after spending £3,000, got, got what he needed. But maybe that person would have been advised to spend more time improving their English and less time worrying about the exam. Mm. So they were studying in between. So they weren't just taking the exam and not doing any studying in between. I think that person and many other people that I've met spend most of the time in between exams worrying about the exam mm. and asking people like you, how can I pass this exam? What can I do very quickly in the next two weeks? Not focusing on what they should be focusing on, which is improving the quality of their English. Mm. It always comes back to that with you, doesn't it? Just improve the quality of your English. It's that... It's not the only thing which is important, but it is the most important thing. Mm. Obviously, having some specialist advice to do with the skills of IELTS, that is extremely important and that is extremely helpful. But the main thing has to be the development of the language. Well, I was going to say, actually, at Kesk, you've got a lot of very experienced uh, IELTS teachers and trainers. Um, and students tend to come for uh, three months at a time, would you say, to prepare for IELTS? And they do possibly five hours a day, five days a week, plus homework. Would you say that's a fair... They yeah. do, yes, that's what they do. So they're doing 25 hours of tuition a week and With they're the doing homework. But on top of that, we make them do extra uh, reading outside class and extra listening and spend a lot of time talking to people as well. Mm. yeah and I think that the importance you know when people say but I do about an hour a day that's fine that's great because people are busy you're working you're studying but it'll just take you longer so even with five hours a day with people who really know what they're doing and they're living in a homestay I guess and yes every single opportunity it still takes a lot of work and a lot of time it does. And obviously, everybody's context is different. If mm. you have students who are studying and working in the UK, like mm. doctors and nurses, mm. they have a lot of exposure to English already. And maybe an hour in the evening could be supportive for them. But then it's what are they doing the rest of the time when they're, when they're working? Are they listening to the way people talk in English? Are they trying to improve their language? Or is it just flowing past them? I think that's a really important point is the thing about noticing language and asking questions about it. I see the people who make a lot of progress are the ones that are constantly asking questions. Yes, and ones who are constantly taking input from everywhere, mm. constantly reading, constantly listening, constantly writing and speaking at every opportunity that they have. Mm. Mm. Okay, so um, let's get a bit more specific now. Um, I think the most difficult skill for everybody is, is the writing. Would you agree with that? I think 
In general, probably, yes, that's correct, Fiona. Writing, probably most people finding writing the most difficult, but a lot of people find reading difficult as well. Let's come back to that a bit later. Any any specific tips about improving your writing specifically for IELTS? Because it is specialised. It isn't just like writing emails. It is this description of a task one and an opinion essay, which arguably nobody ever does anymore. Uh, can I split my answer into two mm. different parts, Fiona? Mm. One part is to do with what you, to, you do. And yes, it's very important to have a good teacher who can help you to understand what you need to do with a task one, how to approach a task two. Of course, that kind of approach and that kind of support is very, very useful. But I think it's also important that people read a lot because when you read a lot, you constantly see how good academic English is put together. It improves your spelling, it improves your vocabulary, and you understand how to present an argument in English. So yes, I think you need to do both of those things. You need to have some specialist support of the type that you provide your students, but you also need to read a lot and probably practice writing as well in your spare time. I totally agree that how much reading is underestimated because how often do we read these kind of academic articles that, you know, that we get in the IELTS test? You, you have to really go out of your way to do that kind of reading and you have to do it intensively while we're doing all the other things, which is noticing the language that's used there, checking the vocabulary. And again, it's just a lot of time, isn't it? But it works. It is a lot of time, but as you say, it works and it's necessary. So you kind of brought me to my next question, which was how to get faster at reading, you know, because of the 60 minute limit and the three dense texts. How, how would you improve your speed? Can I give one little, one little test tip here before I move on to my more general answer? Mm -hmm. And I have always spoken with students about this. The reading test, you should consider it as three tests, not one test. Mm. It should consider it as three 20-minute tests, not as one one-hour test. Because one of the biggest problems people have is they get only about half of the way through the third passage and only answer 30 questions, not 40. If you can train yourself to read the passage and answer the questions in 20 minutes, done. Move on to the next one, done. I think that, that can help people to, to do the test more quickly. In terms of reading more quickly, the way I look at it as this is, is reading is processing information. And any kind of processing can be done faster. You can do it faster. You can train yourself to do it faster. And the way to train yourself to read faster is to read a lot more, to read anything, read newspapers, read novels, read academic texts, be a reader get into the habit of reading different types of materials a lot and you will be able to process information more quickly. Mm, definitely and I, I used to joke or used to joke that um, you could actually answer the IELTS reading questions without looking at the reading because you were so used to the type of question that IELTS asks. So you know the ones that the true false not given yeah. They are written in a certain way that you can actually guess, well, that's going to be a true answer. Do, do you think, as well as doing all the reading, that doing a lot of familiarising yourself with the test will give you uh, a bit of extra support? I think knowing the different types of question 
and practicing the different types of question and knowing that the different types of questions are there to test different reading skills. Mm. I think all of that is useful and important. But at the end of the day, you need to be better at reading in order to do the reading test. Could you give us a quick example of what you mean when you say that the different types of question test different types of reading skills? Okay, so for example, you have those topic heading questions where they give you a list of eight or nine things with Roman numbers, and then you have to match them to the passages. Mm. Now, that type of question is there specifically to see if you have the skill of reading a paragraph quite quickly and generalizing, what is this paragraph about? What is this particular paragraph about? And then choosing the correct heading. True, false, not given questions, on the other hand, are to test a completely different skill, which is to find exactly some piece of information in the text and decide what it means. And other types of questions are testing other skills. An awareness of that and the ability to do that is, is useful. Mm. And it's the kind of thing that I know you pass on to your students. Well, I was just going to say the thing I learned from you very early on is, is the kind of categorizing the different types of text as well. That there, can you, could you explain more about that? Yes. Well, this is a general rule, but a lot of IELTS reading passages are either about problems or they are pieces of research. Mm. Now, I don't think we've got time to go through all of this now because it's the topic of a lesson properly. But in very general terms, if you're reading about a problem, what are you looking for? Solution. Before you get to the solutions. <laughs> What's <laughs> the problem? Yeah, if you're reading about a problem, you've got to be looking for causes of the problem. You've got to be looking for effects of the problems. And you've got to be looking for solutions of the problems. And if you read the passage very quickly to identify those things, you found the, the basic meaning of the whole passage. And guess what? Most of the questions will be about causes and effects and solutions. And the same thing with research passages. In research passages, there is a certain fixed structure of information which you can look for when you read the passage. And, and the questions themselves are almost divided in the same way that the passage is divided. So the first set of questions you can easily tell will be about the research that's been written. And the second set of questions, for example, will focus on solutions. Yes, and there'll be something about, you know, how they conducted the research and what the implications of the research are and so on. Mm. Okay, well, actually, it would be good to have a whole... We'll do that for next time, to do a whole thing about reading or writing. Okay, um, so... Another question I get asked a lot is with so many materials available on the internet, how on earth do you know where to start? What, how do you know what to choose and what to ignore? I think this is a very, very important question, Fiona, because it's not that there is so much uh, stuff on the internet. The materials, the amount of materials is absolutely vast. Also, the quality is very, very variable. So some of those materials are excellent, but a lot of them are not very good. And I think that's where somebody like you is very helpful and useful to students, really, because you act as a filter. You can direct your students to the things which, are, which have high quality and which are going to help and support them and direct them away from the things which are, are not so useful, shall we say. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, possibly last question then. Um, we've, we've covered it, I think, because I think we both agree that reading is absolutely essential and we, we don't do enough reading. But the question about how to use advanced vocabulary accurately you know could should we be learning lists should we be just guessing what are important words is there a strategy for that i think there are several strategies i mean one thing that students can usefully do is to use certain academic vocabulary in any when they're writing about any topic you know so the the vocabulary for solutions for example to address a problem to tackle a problem to take steps to solve a problem. This kind of learning, this kind of academic vocabulary and learning it can be very, very useful. Also, I think it helps students to use some good topic-based vocabulary. So to take some time to learn the vocabulary around the environment, for example, uh, to choose a certain amount of words every week, maybe six or eight, to memorize them, to use them in the speaking, to try and include them in their task twos. So there, I think there are two or three different approaches that people can use to enrich their vocabulary. And it is my experience that both in speaking and writing, students can improve their vocabulary a lot very, very quickly. And they can improve them to the extent where they'll get a higher score in the exam. Mm. And the thing you said about learning language of solutions like to tackle a problem or tackle an issue that's all collocation as well isn't it and collocation comes from noticing it noticing what words come together and, and learning words that come together I think that's a very important point Fiona that a lot of students have what I call a single item approach to vocabulary so they will focus on one word but that simply isn't how people should learn English People should learn English from collocations and phrases because that's how English is expressed by native speakers. I just pointed to solutions as an example, but obviously there's all the language to do with causes and effects and all other kinds of academic functions as well. So I've left the last question. It's possibly the most difficult one for a lot of people, which is how do I get ideas to express myself in writing? Because there are so many topics in task two. How do I get those ideas, those arguments, those opinions? I think that actually isn't so difficult. And I think most people actually have got more ideas and more resources in their head than they think they have. What they need is practice of getting those ideas out and expressing them. Mm. Where do ideas come from? People who understand what's happening in the world, people who follow current events, people who read a lot, have a lot more ideas than people who don't. Absolutely, it's reading the newspaper, isn't it? Knowing what's controversial, what are the ideas in favor and against, absolutely, it comes from reading. And particularly with task two in Mm. writing. A lot of the task twos are about current global Mm. issues and people who are aware of what the issues are and have thought about them and read about them have a big, big advantage in that. Mm. I think there's a slight um, confusion in the actual question where it says, asks you to use examples from your own experience and then people tend to just then talk about more like 
oh, my friend, it happened to my friend. But actually what they want is you to think more about the big picture, isn't it? I believe so, yes. I mean, they say that about writing, you know, from your own experience. Mm. But in general, I would say it's better to talk about global ideas. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, well, Max, thanks ever so much for your time today. I know you're really busy as principal of Kesk, especially during these difficult times. I know you're running uh, things from behind the scenes a lot more than we can see. Look up there in the window at the top, in the middle. If you look carefully, you can see me. I'm behind you. I'm going to say that again. He's working really hard behind the scenes to help all the students at Kesk. Max, can you tell us how can people find you? How can they find out more about Colchester English Study Centre and what it does? Yeah, thanks Fiona for giving me this opportunity. Yes, our website is www.cesc.co.uk. Great. So they come to the website for more information and they can get in touch with you there through email as well from the website? Yes, they can. There's an email on the website and information about our courses and our school. Great. And Facebook, any social media accounts? Can they find that on the website as well? Yes, we have a Facebook account that's on the website and an Instagram account as well. And Twitter, I believe. Oh, yes, and Twitter as well. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks very much, Max. I hope to be able to speak to you again soon. It's been really, really helpful for my students and uh, really nice to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Fiona. And good luck, uh, all of you people, with your exams when you eventually come to do them. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.